Good morning, Brandon, Timothy. Oh, Liberty. Good morning. Oh, welcome to worship today. I am so glad that you are in church with us today. And I brought a storybook to share today that I don't think I've shared in worship in quite a long time. But today, we're doing a lot of things, but one of the things is it's Father's Day. And we're celebrating our dads and our granddads. And this is a wonderful book that I have that's just one of my favorites. And it's about a granddad. And so I wanted to share it with you today. You know what it reminds me of the most? Did you all sing that first hymn with us just a little bit ago? This is my father's world. All right. If you didn't, when you get back to your seat, you look it up at 144. It's in the bulletin. And read the words or have somebody read them for you. I think the person who wrote this book must have read that hymn before. Because this is just like a storybook hymn. This is Granddad's Prayers of the Earth by Douglas Wood and illustrated by P.G. Lynch. Would you not do that while we're reading? Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's see here. And I'll try to turn the book so you can see the, the picture's really good. When I was little, my granddad was my best friend. Being with him always made the world seem just right. Granddad and I liked to go for walks in the woods together. We didn't walk very far or very fast or very straight. While we walked, I would ask him questions about things I wasn't sure of. Why is it, Granddad, I would ask, and what if, and does it ever? One day, I asked Granddad about prayers. For a long time, Granddad was quiet. He didn't say anything until we came to the tallest trees in the forest, and then he answered with a question. Did you know, boy, he whispered, that trees pray? I listened closely, but I couldn't hear him. See how they reach for the sky, he said. They reach and reach for clouds and sun and moon and stars. And what else is reaching for heaven but a prayer? I thought about the trees and kept listening for them. And while I thought, I sat down on an old mossy rock. Rocks pray, too, said Granddad. Pebbles and boulders and old weathered hills, they are still and silent. And those are two important ways to pray. I thought hard about the rocks. I picked up a pebble and stuck it in my pocket. We walked a little farther and came to a small stream. The water splashed and sparkled and tiny fish hovered in the shadows. Do streams pray too, Granddad, I ask? Streams pray too, he answered. Mm-hmm, there is a frog down there. And lakes and rivers and waters of all kinds. Sometimes they pray silently like the rocks. They lie still and calm, reflecting clouds or birds or sunsets or the first evening star. Sometimes they pray with movement, flowing across the face of the earth giving themselves to the ocean, giving themselves to the sky, and beginning their journey all over again. Sometimes waters pray with laughter, chuckling to their friends the rocks, and sometimes they pray by dancing, leaping into the air and falling back again. These are all ways to pray, said Granddad. 
But there are more. Tall grass prays as it waves its arms beneath the sky, and the flowers pray as they breathe their sweetness into the air. The wind prays as it whispers and moans and sighs. It is saying a prayer and singing a hymn at the same time. A bird prays when it sings the first song of the morning. And it prays in that silent moment just before it sings. And the robin's last song at sundown is an evening prayer. All the beings of the world pray, my grand, said my granddad, as they slip through the forest or sparkle in the water. As they climb mountainsides or soar into the clouds or burrow in the earth, each living thing gives its life to the beauty of all life. And that gift is its prayer. Then we were quiet, my granddad and I. He was watching something far away, and I was thinking about all he had said about rocks and trees and grass and birds and flowers and Finally, I ask him to tell me about the prayers of people. Granddad smiled and ruffled my hair. People pray some of the most wonderful prayers of all, he said. Bending down to smell a flower can be a prayer, said my granddad. Quietly watching the sunrise, feeling the slow turning of the earth and Saying hello to a new day is one of the oldest prayers. <clears throat> Standing in a snowy woods on a winter day and watching your breath become part of the breath of the world is a way to pray. Music making or painting a picture can be a prayer. Holding hands around the table with family and friends. Remembering all that holds us together and giving thanks is one of the greatest prayers. Sometimes, said Granddad, people pray when they are sad or sick or lonely or have a problem too big to carry by themselves. They may say words they have learned from their fathers or mothers or granddads or great-grandmothers, but often they must find their own words. The important thing to remember is that the words will always be right if they are real and true and come from the heart. We had walked far enough, and Granddad said it was time to go back. But I had one last question. Are our prayers answered, Granddad, I asked. Granddad smiled. Most prayers are not really questions, he said. And if we listen very closely, a prayer is often its own answer, like the trees and winds and waters. We pray because we are here. Not to change the world, but to change ourselves. Because it is when we change ourselves that the world is changed. My granddad and I went for many walks after that one. And I often listened for the prayers of the earth, but I was never sure I heard them. Then one day, my granddad was gone. And no matter how hard I prayed... He couldn't come back. I prayed and prayed and prayed until I couldn't pray anymore. And so I didn't for a long time. And the world seemed dark and lonely without my granddad in it. 
until one day I went for a walk. I found a big rock under some tall trees and sat down on it. Overhead, the branches swayed and a breeze whispered in the leaves. I heard a stream flowing nearby and a robin singing from a honeysuckle bush. And I heard something else, too. Something in the sounds of breezes and birds and water. I heard prayers. The earth was praying, just like my granddad said. So I joined in. Thank you, I prayed. For tall trees and sweet flowers. For still rocks and singing birds. And especially for my granddad. And as I prayed, something changed. And my granddad seemed somehow near. And for the first time in a long time, the world seemed just right. Thank you for sharing our story today. Can we offer our own prayer before we go? Let's say, Dear God, thank you for the prayers of the earth, for the prayers of the people, for being near us, for loving me. We love you, Lord. Amen. We are continuing our worship series today. It's Summer at the Movies, and um, I'm going to switch it up just a little bit from the early service. I think we're going to start with a story from Scripture, and then we will spring from that into um, our clip. And so we are in 1 Samuel, and we're going to read the first ten verses of chapter 3. Listen for the Word of God. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of the Lord was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, here I am, and ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, lie down again. So Samuel went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. And therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. 
And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. This is a word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. I want to reiterate uh, something that uh, Randy um, said last week before he preached his terrific sermon on the Shawshank Redemption. We've heard two good words, have we not? Pastor Caroline on uh, confidence from the sound of music, confidence in God, and then also Randy's sermon on uh, the Shawshank Redemption. But I wish to reiterate, reiterate what Randy said, and that is that God's word can come to us in many ways. We expect God's word to come to us through the words of Scripture, but the thing is God is not limited by what is contained in our holy scriptures. God can use anyone, anything, to proclaim God's word. And it is actually uh, up to us to develop the vision and the heart to discern how God is speaking to us in so many different ways. And so we've heard this story from 1 Samuel um, about Samuel as a boy um, getting his call from God and his struggle to understand what it is that he's hearing. And I would like for us to take a look at a clip from Field of Dreams, um, which is, I think, a modern-day take um, on this story. Anyway, so let us go ahead and roll that clip. Build it, he will come. If you build what, he will come. Didn't say. You 
I do. I hate it when that happens. I lived that for about 14 years, actually. So there is something that's very interesting in these two stories. One is um, that Samuel and Ray, Ray Kinsella, they are both puzzled by the call that's coming to them. And they struggle to identify what it is that's going on. But Samuel has Eli and Ray has Annie. And then later on, James Earl Jones. And later on, um, Moonlight Graham. What is that actor's name that plays Moonlight Graham? Yes. Yes. And so there are people surrounding both of these characters, Samuel and Ray, who help them to understand what's going on with them. And, and in Field of Dreams, it is a whole journey for Ray to understand what it is that's going on with him. And, of course, then he builds the baseball diamond in the middle of his cornfield. And there's a cost to that. There's a loss of income, and there's also the risk that people will think he's absolutely nuts, like his brother-in-law thinks, right? And he almost loses his farm over it. For Samuel, we've got this brief little story of his call And if you take some time and read in the book of 1 Samuel, you get a sense of the odyssey of Samuel's ministry and of some of the costs for him as he was living out the word of God that came upon him. And I use the word odyssey um, because a lot of times that's how it feels. As I mentioned, for me, it took 14 years give or take, a few. Um, raised in another denomination, and uh, my parents um, served that denomination faithfully and well and in many ways, um, but there were some things going on in that denomination that actually tore at the very fabric um, of, of my family, and um, as a result, I spent quite a bit of time de-churched out of the church. And I'm sure that there are some of you sitting here who have experienced that for varying reasons as well. But as I said before, God can use all kinds of things to get through. So, um, I think it was around the time, um, I think it was after the second time I'd flunked out of college. Really. And um, I was I was working uh, for a group of attorneys as a legal assistant and frustrated and feeling like something was missing. I would register for classes at college and I would be all excited about my coursework and then I would start my coursework and that void, that vacuum within me would not get filled and I would get frustrated and I just quit going to class. So I was working for this group of immigration attorneys, and um, my mom had followed through on her own call to ministry. And uh, I was living with her there in the parsonage in Old East Dallas. 
And out of the blue one day, out of the blue, I was expressing to her my frustration and she was listening and and I said, um, I don't know, maybe I just need to go to seminary and become a pastor. And her jaw just hit the floor. And she said, well, you know you're going to have to start going to church if you do that. And as soon as it came into my head and I said it, it went out. So life goes on. I flunked out of college again. And then I met Rick. We got married and we had Eva. And when Eva was about three years old, um, we had been to Colorado to visit Rick's sister and um, her family. And um, there's something about going to, to Colorado. They live in the Denver area. But you know how when you're in, in Denver, you navigate by the mountains on the western horizon? I do that. And, and I'm so, you know, when, when we're there, I'm used to that purple line of mountains on the western horizon. And so we came home, and I was working for a large corporation that required a long commute, and I didn't like my job. I mean, all all this is sounding like a broken record, right? And um, didn't like my job, and I hated being away from my baby girl. I wanted to be with her more, and the commute tacked on sometimes as much as two hours a day, an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening. And um, I found that I would have um, anxiety attacks (laughs) when I would be driving to work. And um, we came back from Colorado, and I was uh, driving um, up to this large corporation that I worked in, and a cool front had come in the night before and brought rain with it. And it was one of those crisp, clear fall days without a cloud in the sky, except on the eastern horizon, there was this purple line of clouds the backside of that front that had blown in. And at that moment, I didn't know where it came from. It was like a light bulb went off. And I thought, I need to go back to school. I need to get my bachelor's degree and get my teaching certificate. Just like a light bulb went off. So I went to UTD. And I had to meet with a college master to get permission to re-enter college because my GPA was 1.7. And he gave me permission to take three courses, and I was off and running. All of a sudden, I couldn't wait to study. It was like I was a sponge that couldn't get enough water. So... I was still working for this large corporation part-time, found a manager from heaven who was willing to let me change my schedule from semester to semester to suit my coursework. And as I was driving one day from um, the office to school, I had it on the radio and I was listening to Fresh Air on NPR. And there was this guy with an Irish accent who was talking. And um, he was talking about Jesus. And he was talking about when he left the priesthood. And uh, he had written a book called Jesus, a Revolutionary Biography. 
And I was fascinated by the conversation. And so when I got back to the office, or to, um, no, that's right, I was going from school to the office. When I got back to the office, I picked up the phone, I called my mom. I said, Mom, have you heard of this guy, John Dominic Crossan? And she said, yeah, I think so. He's this New Testament scholar, right? And I said, do you have a copy of his latest book? And she said, no, but I'll, I'll, I'll look for it. Okay, mind you, I haven't been active in church in years. My mom shows up on my doorstep the next day with a copy of the book. Well, then I couldn't get enough. I read his book. I went to my mom's office. I raided her library shelves, and I started reading book after book after book after book. And it came time for me to graduate with my bachelor's, and I managed to graduate cum laude from a 1.7. And, um, you know, I was wondering what to do next. I wasn't finished studying and, and all this kind of stuff. And so my mom says, well, I think maybe you need to maybe you need to work on an MTS. And I said, what's an MTS? She said, Master of Theological Studies. I said, uh-uh. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. I am not preacher material. She said, wait, wait. This is for people that just want to continue studying theology. So I applied to Perkins, and I got in. So I'm in my first year of coursework, and I'm still not active in church, and I don't want to go to chapel Because if I go to chapel, they're going to sing hymns and songs that are going to make me cry. And I don't want that to be visible to anybody. But um, my husband and I started going to church a little more. We were going to the church where mom was serving at the time. And I will never forget, it was a communion Sunday. And so we go forward to receive communion, and I kneel down at the rail And my mom's got the bread, and the lay leader, John, has got the cup. And so mom comes by, and she takes the bread, and she says, The bread of life given for you, Val. And I feel the tears start to come. And then here comes John with a cup. The cup of salvation given for you. And then the sobs come. And I'm knelt at the rail. And mom is serving everybody else. And then she comes back by, are you okay? (laughs) I'm mortified that I'm crying in front of everybody. And I'm also confused as to what's going on. My husband, he's sitting down by that time. So I finally, after mom makes three passes in front of me, I finally go sit back down again. And he says, what's up? And I said, I don't know. Well, so I finally figured it out. But the way I was able to figure it out was through the Eli's who were around me. I didn't figure it out by myself. And the reason why I want to tell you this story is not to tell this in a way that it's my accomplishment. It's because of God's spirit in the Eli's around me that helped me understand my call. So, I decided that perhaps I needed to switch tracks from the MTS to the MDiv. And there were some tapes that were playing in my head. Uh, My parents' marriage did not survive uh, my mom going into the ministry. 
love both my parents dearly, miss my dad every day. But their marriage did not survive, mom following through on her own call. And so these tapes are playing in my head, right? As I come to the realization that I need to have a conversation with my husband about what's entering my mind about switching over to the ordination track because, you see, it changes the agreement of our marriage. Right? Going into the ministry. So, it's late one night. He's already sacked out on the couch, and I decide it's time. And so I go and I sit down and I say, Rick, we need to talk. Well, of course, he's bolt upright. And he says, what's up? I said, I'm going to switch, I think, from the MTS to the MDiv. He said, what does that mean? I said, well, the MDiv is the ordination track degree. He said, you mean you're just now figuring that out? I could have told you that a year ago. I'm like, oh. So I fill out the paperwork to do the shift in tracks. I'm on campus one day, and I'm headed over to chapel. <laughs> With my friend George, he was retired, is retired Air Force, <clears throat> and uh, we were just chatting on the way, and I said, oh, George, I need to drop off this paperwork at the admissions office. He goes, what you got there? And I said, well, I'm switching over to the MDiv. He said, oh, you, oh, yeah, I remember when we met, when we started seminary, you told me you were MTS, that you weren't listening. Uh-huh. I can, I can tell you a half dozen more stories like that. The Eli's around me who saw the call, who understood the call before I did. What would we do without the Eli's of the world? What would we do without the Annie's or the James Earl Joneses? All of those characters who surround Ray that help him understand that the voices he is hearing is a call to his own self-understanding and redemption and reconciliation in his own relationships. Now, there may be some of you sitting here who are experiencing a call to ordained ministry. But I also know this, is that if you are baptized... You also have a call. You also have a call. When that water flows on us and we acknowledge God's claim on our lives and that God has named us and called us God's own, there is a call that it's placed on us. And some of us gathered here know that call. And others of us may think, huh? But it's there. And there are Eli's and Annie's who are around us who can help us understand and discern that call. My prayer for each and every one of us is that we may acknowledge the call and answer by saying, Speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. Amen.